Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today, we're covering Season 2, Episode 20, Honor Among Thieves. Guys, it sucks. (laughs) This episode's so dumb. I watched it, but I wish I hadn't. (laughs) Yeah, this is... The first time in season two that I have truly been very disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I would say on the the whole, we've scored episodes out of season two, like, significantly higher than episodes of season one. Yeah. Um, But this one sucks. And and it's like, we scored machismo in season one really low because it was, like, actively horrible and all, like... Not because it was, like, a boring content episode. It was, like, just horrible with, like, the stereotypes and assumptions it, like, perpetrated about people and minority groups. This episode is just boring. (laughs) But I had some fun with it, and I um, hope that you guys enjoy my recap because I did it a little differently because I just knew because it was so boring I would have to make it fun some other way, so... Should we... Oh, let's do our fun facts. Oh, shit. Do you have one? Yeah. Um, I've, A couple episodes ago, I believe it was uh, be the beginning of the big game, I talked about how I was going on a, like, cabin trip with nine other, you know, a group of nine people, much like the Diet Love group. Um, no incident reports. No one went missing. No one died. No one died or got hurt in a mysterious way. So we're good. We're 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 covered. Also, I was editing that, and I cannot believe I did not remember to share with you that they solved the dialogue. And they didn't solve it. They did. They say they solved it, but it's a very unsatisfactory solving of the case that still has a lot of open ends. It was an avalanche. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. You believe it? I do, because, uh, you know, you're in their tents. Some of them are, like, not fully clothed for the winter. The avalanche comes. Boom, avalanches kill people all the time. How does someone's tongue get ripped out? The force of 300 tons of snow and ice? No, there's... Maybe we should do on the Patreon an episode about this, and that would be fun. We should. I've listened. I've done a lot of research and reading of the Diet Love case, and a lot of people still aren't convinced. Me being <laughs> one of them. Ooh, okay. That this is going to be a fun like bonus Patreon episode that we do about the Diet Love incident. I love that. I was like, no, it's an avalanche, and you're like, nope. So I get that could be my fun fact too. Cool. Yeah, we do have a Patreon in, in the works, guys. So we do. We are actually after this recording our first ever Patreon episode, which you won't be able to hear until like probably after New Year's. Yeah. So yeah. 
but exciting. Um, let's let me do our disclaimer and then you'll share rating criteria. Um, we are in no way, shape, or form associated with criminal minds, but we sure would like to be. Um, and yeah. And our rating criteria is as follows: um, criminal slash serial killer, forensics in context, character development slash character arcs, script writing, and background characters. All right, you guys. Oof, I'm trying to find where to put this wire where it's not rubbing into my tits because, again, it's fucking hot in New York and I am shirtless. We open in Baltimore, Maryland. Ayo. You know, you know where the wire takes place. <laughs> Here we are again, everybody. It's been so long. I feel like I've I've missed being here with you. Um <laughs> Abby still has not seen The Wire. <laughs> no, I have would, HBO now, though, so we'll get to it. It is probably one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm busy hate watching the new Gossip Girl instead. Oh, I cannot wait to hate watch the new Gossip Girl, and then we will have to cover it for Patreon because yeah. I have so many thoughts. Also, y'all were like, we don't care about you covering Gossip Girl the Patreon. You are wrong. You have no idea. Mostly because I think I've cut a lot of our Gossip Girl discourse in here. But it's going to be epic and you will love it. And you will give us $5 a month for the content. I I am passionate about Gossip Girl. I, I, I consider myself a Gossip Girl connoisseur. I've, uh, I've seen, I've, I've rewatched the show like probably five or six times. And uh, I'm currently rewatching it with the new one, as we all know from one of my fun facts. Uh, I have a lot of opinions, and they're not airhead opinions. Like, they are solid, <laughs> solid film, television analysis, putting my degrees to use opinions, okay? Listen, you guys, I know y'all are like so horny for us to do Bones, which is crazy. Which is fine. I love Bones. Don't get me wrong. The production design bothers me. Sorry. Yes. Angela Montenegro is the fucking shit. I'm, I'm all about that. We will cover Bones, but we may cover other stuff first. Also, nobody cared about Dexter. Y'all, Keith. We will we'll cover the Keith season of Dexter, y'all. We'll see Dexter's sister eat those fucking cucumber sandwiches. We should cover Buffy. <gasps> oh my god! Listen, we are, we promise you two bonus episodes a month. We may give you more. Yeah, we might. Anyways, so excited about the Patreon. I gotta take you back to the wire. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I gotta take you back to Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore. Balmore. We watch Sergey Chernus get out of a parked car in front of his house. He exits his car and is immediately jumped by two unmasked Russian attackers. Hell of a sentence with too many adjectives, but there you have it. Mr. Chernus is thrown into the, I wrote, the bank. <laughs> Mr. Chernus is thrown into the back of an unmet. Oh God! Look, look! I fucked it. Oh, I see what I did. I was having fun. This recap will be fun. Mister Chernus is thrown into the back of an unmasked Russian attacker's van and and then kidnapped. I wrote, and we kidnapped. <laughs> we, we kidnapped. 
conduct. <laughs> what is this sentence? Mr. Chernus is thrown into the back of an unmasked Russian attacker's van and we kidnapped. I'm sorry, you guys. Cut to Quantico, Virginia. Ever heard of it? Emily's mother, Ambassador Prentice, is here and she's got no time for your pedestrian small talk. She's got two women in tow. We later learned that they're Mr. Chernus's wife and daughter. And she demands to speak to Agent Prentice. Cut to Special Agent Aaron Hotchner's office. And Natalia Chernus, who is Mr. Chernus's daughter, tells Hotch and Emily what happened to her father. Also, we hear Chernus's a lot in this episode. I, I don't care for it. Chernus-I. We learn that the Chernisai women have not gone to the authorities yet. Instead, they went to Ambassador Prentice because one of their relatives knows her professionally. Super vague. Weird. I watched the scene a couple times. I I couldn't get it together. I watched it once. Couldn't get it together. The kidnappers left a ransom note demanding $100,000 be wired to a bank account in Moscow by noon today. It's currently 8.15. Hotch is like, whoa there, ladies, we have to go through proper channels. And Ambassador Prentice is like, the fuck you just say to me? (laughs) And Mrs. Chernus doesn't speak English, but she's feeling the vibe and she gets upset and tells Natalia that this is pointless, that um, the FBI isn't going to help them. Natalia begs the BAU for help, says that her family does not have $100,000. And if they don't wire the money, the kidnappers have threatened to, quote, send another piece every six hours. And Hotch is like, Hotch has never done this before. (laughs) He's never dealt with a kidnapping situation. He's like, another piece. And we, the viewer, we know what another piece means. And Natalia Stone Cold pulls out a severed ring finger from her father. That's wrapped in what looks like parchment paper. Like a fucking deli sandwich, you guys. It's very beautifully wrapped, too, may I just add. With care. (laughs) With care. She tells Hotch that it's her father's wedding ring. So um, now I'm going to do something a little untraditional. Because honestly, I did not care for this episode. I'm going to come right out and tell you that Natalia is one of the unsubs. Right. It's her and her boyfriend, Liev, and they kidnapped her father because she's poor and she wants money. She wants to live high on the hog. She wants that kidnapper ransom money. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot really decide whether I think this character is just poorly written or the the actress is not connecting to this part, but whatever it is. It's obvious from the literal moment you meet her that she is the unsub. Number one, Natalia Chernis tells us later that she was at home when her father was kidnapped. Her father screamed at the top of his lungs. And she really didn't notice? Like, the car was not that far from the house. It's like the house, the sidewalk, the car. He's screaming. She didn't notice. She waited to reach out to Ambassador Prentice until 8.15 the next morning after hearing her father screaming. Anyone's gut reaction to hearing their father screaming late at night uh, would, or no, 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 screaming during any part of the day would be to run out and find out what's going on. But this bitch is like, nope, 
let's just wait until 8.15 tomorrow morning when we have, what, like three hours and 40 minutes to get this figured out before we report this. Nextly, everyone knows that you gotta ice the dismembered body parts. Yes. Come on. If you don't put them on ice immediately, you can't reattach them. Bitch is carrying her father's finger in parchment paper like a goddamn deli sandwich. Bitch doesn't care. <laughs> Bitch doesn't care if the finger rots. Bitch knows the finger ain't gonna be reattached. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god, you guys. Anyways, the BAU puts the finger in a cooler and lets Miss Chernus hold her. Oh, oh my god, I can't. I can't. Okay, I can do this. Anyways, the BAU puts the finger in a cooler and lets Mrs. Chernus hold on to it even though it needs to be processed by the crime scene investigation unit. CSU tech agent Sharp is like, we need to process this. And Natalia's like, just give it to my mother. She'll hold it for you. And even though this is a total breach of protocol, Hotch is like, let Mrs. Chernis have the finger. And CSU tech agent Sharp is like, okay, sir. Hodge, the finger needs to be examined by CSU. Protocol needs to be followed. How are we going to get Mr. Chernis back if the BAU keeps letting dismembered body parts be held in coolers by potential suspects? Also, all the members of the BAU, BAU team are just standing around letting this happen. And poor CSU tech agent Sharp has to be the voice of reason here? Okay, sir. Rolls her eyes and walks off. Oh my gosh. I hope you guys enjoy my recap of this episode. I do. I also was going to say that I was sus of Natalia from Jump. Just just so you yeah, she I was like this is this is doesn't make sense. For this to be believable, neither Chernai woman heard the screaming. <laughs> And then we later, Natalia's like, oh, I went out to get the do the garbage last night and I noticed my father's car door was open. Well, we know that if someone goes out for garbage, something bad is going to happen. That's what Criminal Minds has taught us. Exactly. The ransom note is in Russian and Reed wants Natalia to translate the exact text so that they can profile the unsub based off of the text. Reed is about to hand her the ransom note to Reed but Natalia just has the ransom note memorized. Big fucking red flag there, buddy. She already knows what it says. She doesn't even look at it. She just kind of like looks up and just reads it off. And Reed is like, why do you have this memorized? And Natalia's like, I just do. Reed, Morgan, Gideon, and Natalia get on the private jet, hey girl, and go to Baltimore it's a 25-minute flight. Why are... They're flying? Yeah, it's 25 minutes. This is the second time they've made this 25-minute flight to Baltimore. At least we forget Vincent Parada, who's killed 100 men. But no women. No women. I was starting to, like, go into details and, like, look up stuff about private jets and how much this would have cost. And apparently the director of the FBI was busted for doing this, but it was like he was like taking personal flights in the private jet. 
But people on the internet were saying that in real life, um, a behavioral analysis unit would just have to fly commercial like the rest of us. But the whole point is that they can like walk and move around freely in the cabin. So in reality, there is no BAU private jet. But still, I say, hey, girl. I would like one of them to be like pollution. We are we are damaging the environment with all this frequent flying. Oh my god. They all go to the Chernis house. The Cherni. Sorry, go on. Cherni residence. The Cherni residence, where they meet up with Agent Kramer. Remember from Natural Born Killer, where the serial killer killed 100 men, but no women? Vincent Parada? No women. Yes. Feminist icon, Vincent Parada? Oh, except one woman. He did kill, but that was his downfall. Yes. He did kill that one woman. Well, Kramer's back to help. He says that he doesn't need to be briefed on the case, but because he's already been working on it for a year. Whatever the fuck that means. Okay. Kramer says that there have been a spat of kidnappings where victims have been returned missing fingers. Ring fingers specifically. No one will talk to the police because most of the victims in these kidnappings are involved in Russian organized crime themselves or were formally involved. However, the Chernai family is not involved in crime or not known to be involved in crime. Morgan talks to unsub Natalia in the Chernai residence. We learned that Natalia had two brothers who died of diphtheria when she was younger, uh, and they lived in Russia. She tells Morgan that her grandfather held a party job in Russia's former communist government. When communism fell, he was arrested and her family fled to America. Um, She also says that her family was smuggled over uh, in delivery trucks from Russia, which doesn't make sense, but okay. You You just got to go along with it. You just got to ride the wave. Okay. (laughs) Also, I didn't go into this too much because I was like, whatever. But there's there's a bunch of pictures in the house and they're of like Natalia's brothers and Natalia when she was younger. But there are no like current photos um, of her or the family. Meanwhile, right outside the house, it's bizarre that Morgan's in with Natalia and the other guys are just standing on the street, like being like, we're FBI with a big fucking sign for all the neighbors to see. Gideon notices that one of the Chernis's neighbors has been watching the FBI since they arrived. This neighbor's name is Mr. Gorbin, and he is missing a ring finger, meaning that he was a kidnapped victim as well. He refuses to tell Gideon anything and gets spooked when a car pulls up to Agent Kramer. And local mafioso Arzny Lysowski, oh, this is going to be fun, Arzny Lysowski shows up. Natalia runs out of the house, yelling at Lysowski, Lysowski, and demands to know where her father is. Um, I'm just going to ruin it here and say that her boyfriend is Lysowski's son. But like Lysliev, 
Believe and Lysowski are not close at all because of the fucking quote unquote thieves code. But I've got some words on that later. So anyway, like Lysowski doesn't know that Natalia and his son are together. He doesn't know that they're a couple. Morgan asks Natalia if she's certain that Lysowski is responsible. And she says that she's not certain, but because he's the big bad in this area, he must be involved. Get it? Because she's the unsub and she's trying to throw the FBI off. She and Lysowski speak in Russian and he offers to help her. And Natalia tells him that she will never accept his help. Back in the Chernus house, Morgan profiles Natalia and tells her that she has knockoff designer brand purses and shoes and that she's not close with her family because three people live in the house and there are only two chairs at the dining room table. And then Morgan tells Natalia that the FBI needs to know why the kidnappers chose to target her family. And Natalia's like, I don't know. They just did. Also, there was a fly flying around when (laughs) the scene was filmed. I didn't notice that. That's funny. Meanwhile, Ambassador Prentice and Agent Prentice contact one of Ambassador Prentice's contacts from the U.S. Embassy in Russia. Their hope is that the contact will assist them in gaining access to information on the account holder whose account the Chernuses are supposed to wire the money into. Gregor Popovich, who's the contact, tells Ambassador Prentice that he can't help. But then apparently Ambassador Prentice calls him back later and he's like, "Okay, I'll help. I don't get it. And it's off screen. So I don't know what the fuck she says to him to get him to like. I don't know. It's very weird. And I I don't understand why he doesn't just help her from the get go. But they gotta gotta give us a fucking cock tease with this. Anyways, Agent Kramer teaches Gideon and Reed about Russian prison tattoos. And guys, I just honestly don't care enough to go into them. I I wrote it's not relevant at all. But isn't your deep dive about I found a couple I found a couple fun things. Okay, okay. Garcia does a deep dive on Lysowski. She learns that he served 23 years in prison in a remote part of Russia. Also, that he got married before he went to prison, and his wife died two years later? We learn that he was born in 1940 and married Katya Falenko in 1960, and then she died in 1962, so Lysowski was 22 when his wife died. That's super tragic. And like after that is when he like got involved in crime. I care so much more about the Lysowski's dead wife than I do about anything happening now. Um, And we learned that like they had a kid together. And like then when Lysowski went into organized crime, his son was like, in 20 years, I'm going to kidnap people and you're going to pay me money and whatever bullshit. We learn more about the thieves code. Apparently you're supposed to forsake all family because the thieves are your family. And I wrote, I just don't believe it. I'm halfway through my third rewatch of the Sopranos. So I'm basically a mafia expert and I don't think it works like that. Mafia who are listening though, go off in the notes. If you have comments, sound off, (laughs) sound off. But like, I'm just like, that's ridiculous. Anyways, Mr. Chernus's ear is delivered to Natalia by a random youth in the streets. She screams and panics, but whatever, we don't like her. 
Also, the kidnappers have raised the ransom down to 500000 and left a note in the box with the ear that says, Hello, FBI. <laughs> so Natalia locks herself in the bathroom and then she takes off. Possibly she wraps her father's ear in parchment paper, much as one would a good deli sandwich before she takes off in her car. Cut to Lysowski's restaurant, Little Kiev. Also, Reed is about to get real casual in the next few scenes. He's wearing sunglasses. He's looking great. He's feeling great. Just watch out for these quotes I've pulled for him. Morgan and Reed meet with Lysowski. He's eating borscht and he tells Gideon and Reed that they've got to try the borscht. Lysowski says, quote, it's my mother's old country recipe. And Reed says, quote, didn't you forsake all your relatives when you swore the thieves code? And Lysowski waits a beat and then says, quote, I didn't forsake her recipes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Gideon's like, I love a taste. And we do see Gideon eating the borscht. We know that the man loves a catfish sandwich, so why not? Just then, Natalia shows up at Little Kiev and tells Lysowski that she wants his help. The FBI is bamboozled. Morgan shows up at Little Kiev. I guess he just knew where Natalia was or he followed her with his car. I didn't even realize he had a car at the scene. <laughs> I'm very confused, but he's there. Natalia and Lysowski drive off into the sunset. Again, I must stress that Lysowski doesn't know that Natalia is one of the unsubs. He just thinks he's like helping her. Um, he's actually like not the bad guy in this. He's just like, I'm trying to help my fellow Russian immigrants. But the FBI is freaking out. Morgan runs up to the gang, runs up to Gideon and Reed and Agent Kramer and says, what are we doing? We're just going to let her go off with him. And Reed says, quote, what choice do we have, man? <laughs> oh, my God. The thing, <sighs> One of the writers was like, I, I don't know what to say to this. I'll just have it be super casual, you know, like throw some mans in there. Like Reed's very relaxed in this Russian mob kidnapping situation where we're down to like having like one hour left before this man is going to like lose another body part. <sighs> um, what choice do we have, man? Natalia is now claiming that nothing has happened and the BAU realize that the only proof they have of the kidnappings is the missing ear and the icebox finger that they literally gave to Mrs. Chernus. So they, they phone back to Quantico to check on the dismembered finger that Mrs. Chernus was supposed to be holding. And we cut to the room with Mrs. Chernus and Hodge is still just standing there. Like he has not moved from the beginning of this episode. Like they only had Thomas Gibson for one day and they were like, we got to just shoot these scenes, man. He's just been hanging out with Mrs. Chernus who does not speak English. And there's no reason for the supervisory special agent of this unit, the guy in charge to be doing this when he, when, there's a kid. Are we not concerned about Mr. Chernus? Oh my God. And the finger's gone, guys. The finger's gone. It's just, it's not there anymore. 
I don't know when in, in but it was almost like magic. A magician doesn't reveal his secrets. Cut back to the Cherni residence. The dream team is all there. Morgan, Gideon, Reed, and Agent Kramer, who has not said anything in the last five minutes. Morgan searches the Cherna's house and realizes that the trash hasn't been taken out. He then realizes that Natalia is the unsub because apparently she told Hodge that she noticed her father's car door was ajar when she took the trash out in the morning. And I was like, this is kind of a relevant conversation to include in this episode, but we didn't see this. Even though we saw the initial conversation that Natalia and her mother has with Hodge and Prentice, they just left out this whole scene. So like how we're, there's this dramatic shot where Morgan's like running through her house, even though he knows she's not there. So I don't know why he's there. And he just sees the trash completely full. And I'm like, what, like, why is this relevant? And then we find out that this whole, I just, it's trash. I don't know what happened with the writing guys, but it's, it's no good. Morgan is distressed that Natalia had done fooled him again or fooled him another time. He didn't want to get fooled again, but he was. Won't get fooled again. He says, quote, how did I not see this coming? And Reed with an IQ of 187 says, quote, how could any of us, man? She sought us out. How could any of us, man? She sought us out. It's so fucking casual. I, I don't understand it. Garcia hacks into the Russian bank account and finds out that the $500,000 has already been wired into the account. And the FBI is like, who wired the money? The, the Cherni don't have the money. So it turns out it was Lysowski. Lysowski wired the money and the BAU is like, okay, so we know that Natalia is the unsub, but why would she bring the FBI into this if like she was just going to take the money and run? And they're like, oh, so that she could get more money. And I'm like, what the fuck? Cut to the kidnappers. Natalia's boyfriend, Liev, kills his co-kidnapper who I guess was a little bit more empathetic to Mr. Chernis, but like, whatever, we don't care. Cut to the BAU in Little Kiev again. Lysowski is not offering them borscht this time. He tells Gideon and Morgan that he paid out all of the ransoms. Um, okay, so it's about to get super convoluted. We know that there have been multiple ransoms of Russian immigrants in this area where the men are taken, money is demanded, and then they're, the ring fingers cut off as like a threat and then the, the men are released. So Laiskowski tells Gideon and Morgan that he paid all the ransoms because he figured out that his son Leov is the kidnapper. Laiskowski figured out that the kidnapper was his son ages ago but he let his son go on kidnapping members of the community and former criminals because he figured, eh, what's a hundred thousand dollars here and there? Like, I can pay the money. Lysowski did not raise his son because of the thieves code. And we already know that Leov's mother died when he was very young. So Leov was raised by who knows what and grew up resenting his father. But the hundred thousand dollars here and there wasn't enough. His girlfriend, Natalia, wanted money, money, money. So she and Leov decided to make one last big score, the $500,000, and take off into the sunset. 
And now Lysowski feels guilty that he's been paying his son off with blood money. And all of a sudden it's too much money. And Lysowski realizes that he can't fix his broken relationship with his son and that the kidnapping has gone too far and he's going to have to have his son and Natalia killed. Good. <laughs> I love even hearing it after having watched it. It still is convoluted as hell. It's okay, man. It's okay, man. How will just, we know? Just she sought us out. Natalia shows up where her father's being held in a fucking meat locker and she says goodbye to him. And he's still tied up and he's like, you know, devastated to see that his daughter is ready to like just let her boyfriend kill him for money. Like, who knows? But she's she's got a great little speech that she gives and I'm going to try to do it justice here. So picture... We're, we're watching the scene. It's cold. They're in a meat locker. Pieces of random meat that are not quite like, you can't quite know what that is, but it's hanging up there. She's wearing a coat. Her fucking boy, ripped boyfriend is standing there like ready to murder her father. Her father's missing an ear and a finger and he's devastated and he's swinging back and forth on the chains in the meat locker and his good for nothing daughter says to him i'm sorry papa i couldn't do it anymore living in that house with my brothers hanging over everything the sadness and the struggle you brought us here so we could have things and we have nothing we're nothing i need more oh my god iconic she want that money money she's not she's not trying to hide it she she's trying to be rich y'all anyways Liev and natalia are killed by lysowski's henchmen chernis is released but not before learning that his daughter is a bitch uh wonder how that relationship with his wife is gonna go i don't know we close on a leo tolstoy quote that's not on the nose at all Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. I fucking hate it so much. Basically, apparently this episode was uh, based on um, Druyos Karamovas and Iori Mikhail, um, which... I don't think I said right, but they were Soviet immigrants uh, from Lithuania and Russia, respectively, uh, who are now currently on federal death row for five kidnappings and murders, um, which took over, you know, uh, occurred over a four month period in 2001, and which they demanded a lot of ransom. Um, Very similar to what we saw happen in this episode. They demanded over $5.5 million from relatives and associates and received more than $1 million from victims' relatives. Um, and prosecutors said that the victims were killed regardless of whether or not the ransoms were paid. Their bodies were tied with weights and dumped in the New Malone's Lake near Yosemite National Park. Um, and the prosecutor sought the death penalty under murder during a hostage-taking uh, federal crime 
In 2007, they were sentenced to death. Um, four others were sentenced for participating in the plot, receiving sentences ranging from 11 years to life imprisonment. And I didn't feel like doing a huge deep dive on this because I just didn't find which sounds messed up for me to say because, you know, the victims definitely deserve recognition, but I just didn't feel like this episode was particularly interesting. But I did learn a little bit about uh, Soviet and Russian uh, criminal tattoos. Churches, cathedrals, and the Virgin Mary and saints and angels on the chest or back display a devotion to thievery. Skulls indicate a conviction for murder. Eight pointed stars on the clavicles denote high-ranking thief. A bow tie on the neck was often forcibly applied to pickpockets who had broken the thieves' code and sided with the authorities. Um, and a dollar sign on the bow tie shows that this man was either a safecracker or a money launderer. Uh, a snake around the neck is a sign of drug addiction. Eyes on the stomach denote homosexuality, meaning that the penis makes uh, is like the nose of the face. Um. Yeah. So, so like the eyes are like like right kind of like on your abdomen. Eyes are the window to the dick. A gun-toting cowboy tattoo shows that the thief is prepared to take risks and exploit any opportunity. Um, and then this guy also has a girl like kind of catching her dress with a fishing line. Uh, this is commonly worn by rapists. A tattoo of a mermaid can often indicate a sentence for child molestation. Oh my god. There's a lot more, but um, I think it's pretty interesting. But also, I don't know if this is more of like, this is a tattoo that I got and this is what it means. Or if these are all like universal symbols, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So Crazy. Still don't like the episode. No, me either. Um, should we just give each category like a three? Uh, I don't think it should get less than... Um uh machismo but yeah this would give it more than machismo okay all right we're we're gonna give it a 15 y'all out of 100 Everywhere at Unsubs Podcast. Uh, send us an email, unsubspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, yournewapartment.tumblr.com, where I'm ignoring the haters. You can listen to my podcast between stage and screen on all of your listening uh, streaming services. Yeah, and when we go on our mid-season break, we will be dropping episodes for both of our other podcasts for you guys to listen to. I have to pay for the hosting anyway, so fine as well. So you'll definitely get to hear a couple between stage and screen episodes and a couple of your new apartment episodes just to keep you entertained during the break. And uh, and the break is not until the end of the season. We have three more episodes, I think. 
Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.